Hello everybody and welcome to This Game Where with me, Ashley and... Hey Chris. Him, Chris. Hello Chris. Hello Ashley, how are you? I'm okay. Good. Thank you very much. This week it's This Game Where... Well, I've actually got this written down. Look at me. Wow. Is This Game Where the player, that's us, is tasked with navigating a series of isometrically drawn obstacle courses using a ball. That's all you're getting. Okay. Is it Marble Madness? It's Marble Madness. Nice. Have you played Marble Madness? I have. I had Marble Madness on the Game Gear. Did you now? I right, did. Okay, so you had an inferior version to the version <laughs> that I had. Based on what? Well, mine was on the NES, so the NES is definitely superior to the Game Gear. Right, what are you basing that on? The fact that the Game Gear is shite. Wow, come on. So did the NES. Did you know that... Oh, yes, fair point. Did you know there was a Sonic version of Marble Madness? No. Was it called Sonic 3D? No. Although Sonic 3D was very similar, wasn't it, in gameplay? No, it was called it was. Sonic Labyrinth. No, I've never heard of that. Mm. Yeah, it was on the Game Gear um, Master System. I've definitely done loads of research for this as well, so... <laughs> Clearly so. Was that good? I never played it. I'm just aware of it. I think it's on the Gems collection that we've mentioned before. I might have played it and didn't get very far. I thought, you know, this isn't very good. You know, in, in right. later years. I never had it back in the day on the Game Gear. Anyway, certainly. But I did have okay. Marble Madness. Okay. What did you think to Marble Madness? Did you like it? I really liked it. Yeah. I found it quite tense at times trying to keep it along the path. Okay. This is another one of those games where I had a very, very love-hate relationship with it. Right. I found it deeply frustrating and wasn't very... I wasn't very good at it at all uh, in the day. So I think so that's we, probably why. Should we explain maybe to anyone who doesn't know what Marble Madness is? Yeah. Okay. I'm imagining that it is probably fairly straightforward even from the name marble madness but marble madness is a game where well i told you as well it's a game where you navigate a series of isometrically drawn obstacle courses using a ball oh, yeah, that's so what i did. said what can't you can't you get but for, for <laughs> anyone that is still still a little bit non-plus like chris is i don't really think you can get any more precise than <laughs> that really you're probably right you would start off at the top of like a mountain that was drawn in an isometric style and if you think early very early 3d games like tanks where it was all line drawings mm-hmm. like vertex uh, vertex is it vertex yeah vertices yeah where it's vertex uh, art or vertices or whatever Everything was made up with those. And it takes that and it uses that art style to create these pathways that are, they look 3D, but it's obviously made it's through illusion, isn't it? isometry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isometry. I mean, we've, we've got vertices and isometry. They, they sound plausible, but I'm not completely sure they're uh, the correct I terms. think it is. I, I know that vertices is probably right. It's probably 90% right. Don't worry. Let's not get bogged down in that. But anyway. Yeah. All right. They use these to draw these paths that go down sort of a mountain and the mountain is also an obstacle course and has like dips peaks and troughs and then uh, very narrow pathways that you have to roll this marble that is your player or avatar along the idea is that there are difficult points along the whole of this obstacle course that your marble will be difficult to navigate through or around or across and if you fall off say a narrow path you end up smashing your marble because they're made of they're made of glass they are which is true fact did the game gear version have the effect where if you fell from a height the marble would smash it would shatter not that i remember no there we go nes superior version <laughs> told you <ya. laughs> how difficult was it to control on the nes using the little d-pad well presumably you had the same thing on the game gear didn't you, you had, it was d-pad on the game gear yeah it was but the d-pad was it was sort of nestled within a, a, a circle so it was a bit more uh, some of the stages were very finickety is that the word finicky yeah finicky yeah finicky's uh, they're they're close-ish yeah you had to 
guide the marble along these very, very narrow pathways that turned at perpendiculars to each other and then turned back on itself again. And they, they were very, very difficult. Well, it wasn't, I think that was one of the most, one of the frustrations of the game for me, the controls. They just, the ball would pick up momentum rolling down hills mm-hmm. and stopping it was very difficult at times and controlling it to the precision that was required to get it through or across certain obstacles was not that easy that I remember. So I haven't, I genuinely haven't played this game since I was six, maybe somewhere around there. So it could be that I was just crap at it as a six-year-old and they're super easy to use. It sounds like you had a similar experience with the controls as I did. It maybe would be a good time to mention that actually this game was out in the arcades first. Right. Came out in 1984 initially. Wow. In the arcades, you controlled with a trackball. I was just going to say, was it trackball? Brilliant. I think that would be a lot better. Yeah, it was actually one of the first games, supposedly, uh, that I could find out at least. It was one of the first games to use a trackball control in the arcades. It was also, it was actually, this game is quite well known for its firsts. It was the first to come with true stereo sound right so everything else used like a prior to that it used in 1984 this is it used a mono track or else it used some kind of false stereo sound so using some special technology but this actually used a true stereo sound track i mean if all the games to have an actual stereo track on marble madness why i'll, I'll tell you this as well it was the first i can tell you uh, it was the first game to be programmed in C as well. Oh, okay. So the program language C. So a lot of, uh, a, a few first, there are others, but those are the most interesting ones that I found. Now, I, you ask me why this game of all games to be given the privilege, I suppose, of being the first true stereo sound game. Yeah. There are a number of things that happened that led to that, I think. The major one was the timing. So 1984, can you tell me anything about that, about how that might be significant, the fact that it came out in 1984. Two years for Osborne. I mean, that's significant in itself. That's not, that, no, not significant it enough, is it, for us? You know what happened in 1983 in America? Uh, a thing. If I say E.T. Oh, was it the whole cartridge debacle? What do you mean by cartridge debacle? Do you mean E.T. the game or E.T. the film? I do. I mean E.T. the game. So this was the game that sold really badly and they buried them all in the, the desert, didn't they? They did, yeah. So that was actually part of a much wider... Well, it was a crash. The, the whole video games industry crashed in 1983. Did you not know that? Oh, no, I didn't know that, no. I thought that they, they just buried them because the game had sold really badly. I didn't realise it was as a side effect of that sold really really badly and actually it's it's often held up as like being the catalyst for the whole video games industry going wow. through the floor but it wasn't just that really it's quite a lot in, to put on reality, little shoulders isn't it abso- absolutely it was quite unfair to do that yeah but it was suffering from a number of things uh, particularly the arcade industry the industry behind arcade gaming was starting to get into ruts that it was finding it difficult to get out of gamers were becoming disenchanted with the whole affair Games were getting too hard and right. people were becoming turned off by that. Games were maybe being like ET, being released with less polish than they should have had mm-hmm. given, especially in the context of like how big ET was as, mm. a, as a friend, well, as it felt. You can see why people might expect a better experience than maybe they were delivered. And it all came together to result in a massive, massive drop in sales and enjoyment and engagement with the video games industry. Right. Which people refer to as the crash, video games crash. And that happened in 1983. So Marble Madness, to some extent, and actually a lot of, because this was, this was produced by Atari, a lot of Atari's output shifted focus for the, for the arcade. Following that, and they were looking at offering gamers... Innovations? Yes. 
Yeah. They were looking at new experience. Okay. How to drive the renewal and reinvigoration of the industry with innovation and novelty and new experiences. Yeah. So the fact that True Surround Sound, sorry, not True Surround, True Stereo Sound was given to the game was part of that. The fact that it controlled with the trackball was mm. part of that. So that's where it came from. That's That was the background of why this game ended up being what it was. So in that context, actually, as a game, it's a, it's a lot more totemic, perhaps, of a certain point in the history of video games than I perhaps realised. You could certainly hold it up in that way, yeah. I think that it was probably, certainly again, it wasn't just for this game that Atari sort of adopted this new mantra. It was just something, it was a new thing going forward. It wasn't to reinvigorate it just the once. They were trying to do it multiple times and I expect that the other games that were coming out 84 onwards from Atari did similar things, tried to innovate in similar ways. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't surprise you necessarily to hear that this game was as on the cusp technologically as it was if you knew that Mark Cerny was the man that designed it. I was in PlayStation Man. Yeah, PlayStation Man. Yeah, so Mark Cerny was the lead designer on this. Right. He also took a role on the art team as well. Mm -hmm. And that, for anyone that knows Mark Cerny, will probably explain that situation because Mark Cerny has always been sort of a cusp of the cusp of the cutting edge. (laughs) Ahead of the curve. Did that make sense? The cusp of the cusp of the cutting edge. He was always right on the edge of the cutting edge. In my view, always sort of seemed to be trying to be. And he brought that to to the development of Marble Madness. Sounds painful, doesn't it? Sitting on the edge of the edge of the cutting edge. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. But sometimes worth it. Whether it was worth it for uh, Marble Madness, it remains to be seen. Another guy who I did what I usually do. I looked through the credits for this game. And there's it's a fairly large team actually behind this game. There really? were multiple. Yeah, fairly. Uh, there were multiple ports as well going. Uh, into mm-hmm. the future. So the NES port, which is the one that I had, that was actually developed by Rare. It was the first port that they ever did. Blimey. Yeah. So Rare, Rare have got an interesting backstory themselves anyway. They they sort of got in on the ground floor with the NES because they managed to reverse engineer it or something and impress Nintendo, who had said that the Nintendo entertainment system couldn't be reverse engineered. And so they Rare went, and went and did, and did it. it. Yeah. And yeah, I've heard a similar story for the guys that made... Star Fox as well. They, I think, oh, I know what it was. The guys that made Star Fox, they created a 3D application on the Game Boy. So they put 3D on the Game Boy. Someone got wind of it in Nintendo and Nintendo of Japan then said that's impossible. They can't have done that. And there was insistence. They then flew the guys from the UK to Japan to show them the 3D on the Game Boy and talk them through how they'd made it. And Miyamoto and the other bigwigs said, oh, we've got a project for you then and took them on. Wow. They spent all of the development time in in Japan developing Star Fox and making the tech behind that. It was their idea to create the Super Effects ship. Right. So, yeah. So Rare, Rare got in on the ground floor in that way. Uh, Star Fox guys got in the ground floor in that way and then they ported this game it was the first port that they made oh the other thing is did you know that Rare were given unlimited resources to create whatever they liked as a result of that by Nintendo Nintendo just said right look you've impressed us go and do whatever you like we'll, was that we'll fund whatever you do from so when when did this come out on the NES so it came out on the NES in 1990 so was it from 1990 onwards yeah, does that explain? No, it was prior. It was prior. So it, what I mean is... Rare does it explain like why they have that relationship with, on the N64, for example, where you were able to have Conker's Bad Fur Day and Tiddy Kong Racing? Was that as a result of this? Oh, quite probably, yeah. I, I would have, I would imagine it might well have been. The Stamper Brothers reverse-engineered the NES, took it over to Japan and said, we've reverse-engineered the NES. And Nintendo went, oh my God, uh, 
here's any whatever you need to create games for Nintendo. all the money in the world yeah literally here is all the money in the world do what you're doing as best as you can do it because if you do it for us then you can't do it for the people i guess yeah yeah Yeah. which i thought was quite interesting makes sense yeah and then like the sixth thing that they did was port marble madness yeah you know. <laughs> so I'm not sure about that decision. but Bill's got to get paid, haven't they? So Mark's only on design and art. Alongside him on, like I say, I looked at the, the team and had a little look at who was interesting. So this is the original team. This isn't the rare port team. Okay. The original team that made the Amiga version. There was a guy called Sam Comstock. The name didn't mean anything to me no, until no, I looked me. him up. And prior to working on this in 1984, he actually worked for Industrial Light and Magic. And nice. worked, yeah, he worked on two of the Star Wars films. He worked on Raiders of Lost Ark, E.T., Poltergeist, and Star Trek. And then decided that that went for him and came on to create Marble Madness, did all the animations for Marble Madness. So in a reverse of that situation, I recently finished that point and click book by bitmap books and in yes. the interview with tim schaefer he talked about there was an artist maybe even a lead artist who worked on um i think it was maniac mansion and he then went on to work for dreamworks with it was maybe or something anyway it's cut long story short he ended up being the director of the minions movie really yeah which right, is okay. quite uh you know yeah it made me i mean both of those anecdotes together now make me want to know how prevalent the the crossover rate yeah. is and and how often people go one way or the other like from games to film or film to games do you have any particular memories of the game itself you said you yeah being you bloody hard and yeah yeah really really finding it difficult and not always getting on with it right so this game appears on people's when when people get asked it often appears on like their top 100 games of all time i do not have that memory of it at all i i think that the version that i played was quite ugly to be honest the isometric art didn't appeal to me at all it's quite harsh on the eyes isn't it yeah it's just not very pretty at Mm. all but then equally there were people gushing about it at the time and for previous iterations of the game saying how gorgeous it looked it's maybe for into that art style Maybe it would. Yeah. But I agree with I you. It was, all, it was all those squares, wasn't it? The, the the marble went along. It's very stark. And I never really liked it either. It was line drawings. And yeah. they were very geometric and mm. not very pretty. They were very sharp edged. It just, it wasn't my thing at all in that regard. It was deeply frustrating to play. But then at times there was an immense amount of satisfaction if you could get to the end of a level. Mm. It was only six levels as you can probably guess, I never finished it. Is it really? It was only six levels, yeah. So I think I could probably get to the third level, maybe. But I, I, I never got very, very far in this game at all. I do not remember where I got to because all the levels bleed into one, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. They're all the same. It also has a multiplayer version where you can race each other. So I remember on the Game Gear, the, the box art having two marbles on. I might be misremembering mm. that. I seem to remember thinking, oh, is that like... I assumed one was like a boss, a boss marble that you played yeah. against. <laughs> yeah, genuinely maybe. i think it was red and i assumed it was a, a bad guy so i'm even giving a gender to it i'm assuming it was a, a male marble <laughs> yeah well they are the bad guys but usually yeah i know i am <laughs> that would have been alluding to the fact that there was there was like a racing element to it that, right, that okay. you could play multiplayer and it was a race to the finish i don't know if i am right or wrong in thinking this but i think the levels were timed anyway even if you played it single player and that the extra time that you had left at the end of the game at the end of the level that would then be added on to the time that you get for the next one so Makes it was sense. actually a race through the six levels total i never finished the race i just quit and went home i guess if there was no time that you could just really 
go through the level so slowly. Meticulously, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It wouldn't really have any challenge, would it? No, I guess not. Maybe not. Mm. We'll talk about that in the second half. I was just going to launch into something else, but I think now would be maybe a good jumping off point to get stuck into the game for a little while and then then come back and talk. Well, I have to say, you you said the game's ugly and really hard. I'm going to this, you know, with really low expectations. (laughs) So thanks for that. I'm glad. I'm glad I've adequately set them. (laughs) Yeah. Right, let's see then. Okay, so on a scale of 0 to 10, how mad are you feeling now after that marble madness? Mad as in insane, driven... Just whatever you want to take from that, really. Driven mad with... Cross. Jealousy. Actual, anger. Actual insanity. What? Yeah. I don't know. I It's difficult to answer because you're not really laying out the scale that I'm supposed to be working with. Right. What that actually quantifies, so... <laughs> I'm going to plead the fifth, except I'm in the wrong country for that. So yeah, there's a lot of I don't of know what I'm going to plead. To start off with. But if you're asking me what I thought of the game, <laughs> which I, I think is what you're trying to go for, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised, actually, with that because I got to level four and I don't know if I ever did that before. I found it a lot more accessible than I expected. What do you think, Twix? Because obviously this is a game that we both played. We both had this game. So so we tried a few different versions. So we started off doing the NES version, which is what you'd initially brought for me to try it and then I dipped into the Master Mm. System version which was a lot more familiar to me because essentially it would have been the same game as the Game Gear one and I managed to get further in that version than on the NES version. I found it more playable. It's interesting because when I tried the Master System or the Mega Drive version I found them less playable Mm. (laughs) so it's interesting how even after all this time there's clearly some level of muscle memory going on in in your head and mine. Yeah. Although, like I say, I don't remember being particularly good at that game and I was getting very easily first run onto level four, which is four four out of six. On the NES version, I got to level three, whereas on the Master System, I got to level four. And I remember there was these, mm. there were these big hoovers that try and um, blow you off the, the, the you track up. you're on. And I, I distinctly remember them. So I must have got to level four, but I don't think any further. Let me just clarify for any pedants that listen to us. Chris means suck you in, not blow you off. No, let me rephrase that. Chris means suck you, suck the ball into the hoover because they, they didn't blow you off. They Didn't sucked I? you in. Oh, okay. No, they suck you in. And then if you get sucked in, you particulate. You you turn into oh, okay. shattered pieces I and thought your, get sucked down the hoover. I thought your pedantry then was going to be the fact that I called it a hoover when it should have been a vacuum cleaner. Oh, no, I don't mind that. Right, Although okay. we don't have to pay any royalties for saying no. hoover, do we? Don't, okay, that's don't right. think so. Let's hope not. We don't earn any money, so... <laughs> Where did you get to on level four, just out of interest? There was this catapult that fired me up onto a, a, yes. a platform, and then I had to roll down a series of ramps that were perpendicular to each other, and that was as far as I got. The series of ramps had pneumatic things coming out of the floor that threw you up into the air. Is that... I didn't get that far, but you saying that sounds extremely familiar, so I think I must have got that far when I was a nipper. That was just after the catapult? Yeah, I didn't get very far after the catapult, though. I ran out of time. Okay. So I was getting just the end of the run with these pneumatic piston-type things, and then there was a very large drop, and then on the other side of the large drop, there was a piece of path. And I'm assuming that the idea was you got fire, you fired yourself up with the pistons into the air and jumped over onto Blimey. the... I know, but I couldn't get the timing at all on the NES version, the Mega Drive version, whatever version 
version we were playing. We've mentioned that we were playing different versions, but actually the similarities between them all were striking. Mm. Like the game hasn't actually, We just to clarify, I played the arcade version, which is the original, played the NES, we played the Mega Drive and the Mass System versions. We've played the Game Boy Color and Game Boy Advance versions, which I think personally are the worst two. And that's all Although the advanced version, whoa come to that sorry it's all right the Game Boy Advance version was interesting in that it came with Clax which is a puzzle game uh, from way back when and was also the influence on Stargate which we covered in one of our Christmas specials last year is correct yeah we even had a little go on Sonic Labyrinth which you thought was mm. a version of this but actually it doesn't seem to me to be no and it was pretty terrible wasn't it yeah it was bad but that is a Game Gear game isn't it so it looks really nice but it looked okay it looked okay no no so the for the most part the similarities were stronger than the differences however as we've alluded to there were the ports did have certain feels to them and they could have only come through the the porting process so control wise they were quite different or or different enough that they felt a little bit off to you or to me depending on which version we were playing the differences were largely in the controls and they were slight they were extremely slight but they were enough i think to throw you off if you were on the wrong version and the same for me so the nes version was the one that i got on best with and as i say i I was quite pleasantly surprised with how it actually played it wasn't at all as bad as i remember it being Mm -hmm. there were some nice animations weren't there in the nes version like the the animation when you when you fell down and there was that brush which you mentioned the first half and yes as soon as i saw it i completely remembered that it looked really nice little just kind of brush that popped up and swept the pieces and then yeah. you respawned in it looked great yeah and it was a nice way of masking the punishment really because yeah. that animation was obviously taking up a little bit of time yeah eating into your into into the time that you it's only about had to finish the level what one second on the half it yeah so long. we did we both we both acknowledged that the penalties were very minor and actually yeah. I think it was commendable for that because games all too often especially arcade games punished you overly harsh yeah uh, and that again that may well be coming off the back of the industry crash that happened in 83 because this game one of the reasons that people were being put off games was because they were becoming inordinately hard mm-hmm. and they were becoming what they really are you know arcade games they're there for your fun but they're also largely there there for the money you're putting in yeah, there of course. so you make it harder you get more money was the theory but it didn't work out yeah. <laughs> because people can only will only take so much and this was coming off the back of that and maybe it was going well look it can be hard but it should be accessible it should be fair so the punishment seemed fair yeah i think yeah i think so as well. at the same time this game was notable at least to atari themselves because it I think it, it's internally they used to measure how long things were being played, like at how many weeks it took for the game to drop off in, in terms of the amount of money it was making in okay. the arcade. And this one lasted six weeks. On its seventh week, it it dropped out of the like their top 10 money makers. Right. So what happened to it then? Did they just, did they well, replace it with other? I imagine there was some level of uh, like churn in the games that were in arcades anyway but i don't know what happened to it it's the short answer but that it will have been noted that maybe they'd gone a little bit too easy or maybe they'd gone a little bit too easy on at least for them too easy on the player yeah because you know we were getting to level four on our first tries yeah level three level four halfway through the game six yeah it's not very without any deaths yeah and so that's halfway through the game on our first go and i can well imagine i mean that is pretty easy going for an arcade game isn't it you get halfway through the game on a a single coin insert coin yeah so 
Yeah, that could be a product of its time, though. So you talked a bit about the controls, haven't you? We spotted at the start of the NES game this whole 90 degree, 45 degree thing, which I'm still not completely sure the meaning of that, but we, we tried So without being too boring, I can, explain it, I can explain it to you again. If you set it to 90 degrees, the ball moved in the directions of the D-pad. So if you pressed left, it moved left. If you set it to 45 degrees, you had to do diagonals to move it in the direction of the, D, of the D-pad. Uh-huh. So to move left, okay. you had to do left and down. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So it sort of put it on a on a slight skew. To Why anyone would have chosen that? Platforms, I guess. I guess there was some, like, I don't know. I really don't know. It didn't make any sense in my brain. No. The 45 degree version made no sense in my brain. As soon as I turned it on, I wished I hadn't. So <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking. And interestingly, the other versions, they didn't have that choice. They never gave you the choice. Yeah. So maybe refined it somewhat. So I noticed when we first started playing that it's published by Milton Bradley and you were a bit unsure what that was. And yeah. it's MB no, Games. Yeah. It was it says the logo Milton Bradley Presents. Yeah. It was the logo on the actual box art that I recognised, the, the red M and the, the blue B or vice versa, whichever way it is. But, yeah, you know. well, that logo, I completely know, you know, I instantly recognisable, yeah. the MB Games logo. But it said at the beginning on the title screen, Milton Bradley Presents. And I had no idea what Milton Bradley was. Obviously, it's fairly obvious when you uh, when you point it out like that, isn't it? But yeah. Uh, yeah, it's quite striking, but then we talked that through a little bit, didn't we? And at the same time as being surprising to us now, equally thinking about it even for a little moment, is it, it seems quite obvious as well, because we said about how the NES was actually marketed coming out of Japan and in, into the American and European markets, but particularly the American markets, they game of, uh, they toyified it. Yeah. They toyified, they made the NES appeal as a toy, and that comes out of this worry that American parents wouldn't be... Wouldn't get it. Yeah, that's exactly it. That they that American parents wouldn't get it and that they had to make it into a toy for their kids in order for to sort of get in the back well, door. I mean, get it in both senses. Get it as in understand it and then get it as in physically yeah. acquire it, isn't it? Is they they yeah, just had no absolutely. concept of it. So one of the things that Nintendo did was they packed the NES in with Rob the Robot, who became oh, a bit yeah. of a celebrity. Yeah. Although I I never, as a child, I'd never seen a version no. of the NES with a Rob the Robot. It's one of those things a bit like the, the Virtual Boy that's been commented upon as being one of Nin- Nintendo's follies. Oh, Rob the Robot was a folly? I think so. That's how I seem to remember it being regarded. Oh, okay. I, I don't know, because as I say, I, it's only something that I have a passing knowledge of, and the idea was that it was like a way to secrete the console into the house by passing it off as a toy. And presu- I think, was the idea that you had some kind of software that you could run on the NES that then programmed Rob the Robot? I think so. Yeah. And I guess like you're saying, it, it's how it's it's then getting it under the radar, isn't it, to get into the house. A, a bit like how uh, the PlayStation Once 2 in, in. played DVDs. Do you know about this? Yes, I do. Yeah. yeah. The whole idea of you can sell it as a DVD player, but then it's there for the games as well and people will get it for well, one thing and then well, use it for another. Wasn't it the PlayStation 2 was sold at a loss, but by selling it, Tony were ensuring that everyone had a deep that people had an, a means to access DVDs, whereby they could then, that's where they made profit. profit. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, but I mean, it, it's not abnormal for, con- or you didn't used to be abnormal for consoles actually to be loss leaders. The The idea was that they would sell the console at a loss sort of launch forwards and then um, that they would make their money back on the on the software. Mm-hmm. But you, yeah, I can imagine you right with the PlayStation 2 particularly that Sony probably were interested just as much in the DVD side of things because that was a newly burgeoning. Yes, it was. Uh, money maker for them. Yeah. 
Not anymore. Not so much. No, I still buy DVDs. I honestly can tell you the last DVD I bought. The last DVD I bought came in the post, but it was secondhand. It came in the post this week. It was the right. Exorcist Anthology. So that's five DVDs. How much is that like? Two or three quid? I got it off Music Mud Pie. It was eight pounds. Oh. It's not bad. Yeah. We watched Exorcist 2 and Exorcist 3, which is why I bought it, really. I remember watching one. It might be number four, maybe. It was absolutely terrible. That would be Dominion or... Oh, I can't remember what the fifth the other one was there's an interesting story about that which i will tell you very briefly so the the fourth and the fifth film in this anthology are called exorcist the beginning and dominion the prequel right and they were released in the same year because the person that started making the first release i think exorcist the beginning was being made first and the person that started making it was then, for whatever reason, taken off the project and decided that he was going to make his ver- version uh, right. of the film. And then they released within about six or seven months of each other. That's interesting. But then they're in the same anthology. So uh, it is really weird. Maybe some sort of... Because you wouldn't um, think one of them was... Some sort of licensing thing. Okay, Exodus 3 is actually very good. Okay. Yeah, so I haven't given up on DVDs, uh, to be honest. But I am very, very picky about what I and what I don't buy so generally it's things that you can't get one way or the other so on Netflix or Amazon Prime you can't get Exodus 3 and that was what I wanted to watch so I thought the cheapest way to buy it was in this and the only DVDs I buy are once my daughter like um, Seatropolis or Moana oh well uh, it's two decent DVDs I I own Moana on Blu-ray so that's a great film yeah I really like Moana are we losing our are we losing our gaming audience (laughs) shedding them by the should, should we wrap up there yeah. anyway because that's, that's marvel madness yeah well done, i, I don't really? i don't know that there is that much left to say about marvel madness it, it was it's an interesting curio mm. and i think that's what it will stay although saying that it keeps it for how long was it coming out 20 years almost it was being released and re-released and ported all, all over the place the latest iteration of it was out on the game boy advance which is like early 2000s so it was released 1984 originally so nearly 20 years later it's still it's still coming out you never know it might be a piece ps5 or xbox series x exclusive uh yeah, real system time seller. next year i, yeah, I can maybe. see it being something that will be an app like a little game on an ipad or iphone just something that maybe have a virtual joy um virtual controller to control it around i nearly said just then i'm actually surprised it didn't come out on the wii but there was a game called mercury meltdown did you ever see mercury meltdown it's one with the front cover it's plain white with the, the drop of gray the actual mercury wasn't dripping out yes. of the logo yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I always thought the I, box art was very striking but i never played it that's that's fairly similar to this i've actually got it on the on the shelf over in the living room so maybe that's one uh to have a little go Would, on um super monkey ball arguably be a oh success yes to this. yeah how did I? How did I not think of that? Yeah, it absolutely is, isn't it? It's exactly the same, yeah. just from a different, uh, different perspective. And then equally, the levels in Super Mario Galaxy that were the same as that, which were using again using the, the Wii mode. But obviously, they've been refined to within an inch of their mm-hmm. lives. Both Monkey Ball and the Mario Galaxy levels, so it lives on, I suppose, in yeah. in a different form and a better form. Yes. Definitely. Although I'm not partial to Super Monkey Ball, personally. It was a game I got the, the PlayStation 2 version of, and uh, yeah, I played it for a bit, but you know, once you played a couple of levels, you've kind of seen it all, haven't you, really? I believe, again, it's one that I got on the Wii, vicariously, through my now wife. So that's my exposure. Hmm. Wasn't there a, a 
version of it on the the switch like was it banana blitz or something i've no idea no not a clue i mean it's not a bad game but it's not it's not the best however i think that's probably where the recommendation sits if you if you're interested in playing marble madness or feel getting a feel for what marble madness is then super monkey ball is probably your best go-to in this current age thank you very much for listening if you've enjoyed this uh we have got plenty of other episodes already released plenty more in the pipeline uh, you can come speak to us on facebook twitter instagram and youtube and if you've got youtube then uh, we'd love to hear from you and have a chat with you on there absolutely thank you again and uh we'll see you again for another episode bye bye